There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, last week on the programme, we were telling you about the Cork Orchestral Society's spring season of concerts, which got underway in January with a beautiful concert from a newly formed chamber ensemble in Cork called 13 Strings. Tom Crowley, chairman of the Society, was a guest on the show in January and introduced the series for us. And that concert was available for a month. Well, the second concert in the series went live last night on the Cork Orchestral Society's page. Once again, it's free and once again, it's available for one month. This month sees violinist Brendan Gard and pianist Gary Beecher present a programme of Mozart, Chopin and Brahms. And Brendan spoke to Elmarie. Brendan, I know like there's a lot of people who would be committed members of the audience of the Cork Orchestral Society who are really cut off from their concerts. So they love the fact that these concerts are now being made available online for the spring season at the start of 2021. But there's also a lot of people who are missing the fact that they, they can't access the master's recitals in the Cork School of Music Curtis Auditorium, the lunchtime concerts. That is the most incredible programme series of concerts where you have the master's students coming for their performance uh, assessment. There is the most incredible programme lineup of concerts. And it's hard to imagine that it's, it's literally just over two years, maybe a couple of weeks over the two years since you had your master's recital with Kier Moroni in the same theatre. It's mad, isn't it? I know. It's crazy think how it's all changed. What did you play for that particular master's recital? Do you remember? Of course you do. I had, I think, three performances actually with Kira Moroni. So I did actually two of the pieces that I'm playing for this concert that will be released on the 20th. I played in, I think, my final master's recital, which is the Mozart Sonata and the Brahms Sonata. So the Chopin is kind of a new thing that's been added in. But I studied those two sonatas with Gregory Ellis while I was doing the master's. It's nice to be able to return to those and add kind of anything new I've learned to the pieces and to develop them in that way. It really is. Now, when you had those master's recitals, you would have had an audience for the filming of this particular recital. Obviously, you know, it was in in an empty auditorium, which is kind of a strange feeling, isn't it? I mean, I know there was a certain amount of pressure on for filming, but there is a certain amount of pressure in any live performance. Like you catch it live and there's no going back. What was it like doing the filming? Because in one sense, you're no stranger to cameras because like you play with the RT Concert Orchestra and there's cameras around you there all the time. Yeah, so the recordings, you're right, they're very different. They're more challenging in the sense that, you know, it's, it's more difficult to produce the same kind of energy and enthusiasm that comes more naturally when playing in front of a live audience. So, you know, when recording, it's very easy to slip into the mindset of, 
getting things perfect or avoiding mistakes, you know, as opposed to focusing one's attention on conveying the character of the mm-hmm. music in the most convincing way possible. So I tried to steer my attention away from the fact that it's recording in an effort to keep the performance as high energy as possible. That's the aim anyway. And and it is high energy, but you also do it in, in quite a formal way. You know, this isn't a sort of a relaxed, so how's it going, lads? Two years ago, I did this piece with Gregory and you're like, there's no chatting to the audience in this. Just as formal as the concert, except the audience is missing. So that's pretty much the only difference, really. Was that hard? Yeah, you don't get the same kind of energy. You, you know, you can kind of feel the energy of the audience and communicate with those so it's harder in that sense to to give the same kind of feel that you would give with a live audience so it's certainly challenging but it's definitely a valuable experience to do it and it's a good it's good to have the you know like a it's like a digital asset that I have now that I can use going forward you know to create new opportunities in the future and things like that which I may not have had otherwise if it hadn't been recorded you know. Well, in that time, when you were finishing your master's, you achieved the highest marks in the master's that year for a taught master's. And you were also named the Cork Orchestral Society's Emerging Artist of the Year. And, you know, I suppose to kind of come out of all of those years of toil, sweat, study, practice, rehearsal, playing and all that rest of it, to come out and start your professional career as a musician into this world is very, very different. You basically just had like, you know, a year and a bit of getting gigs and playing with the RT Concert Orchestra and playing with the Cork Opera House Concert Orchestra and places that I would have seen you like that. So did you manage to get in many gigs in that time? I did, yeah. I, I was lucky enough to be busy enough for, the, for that year and a half or so. But you're right, it is tough enough when you feel you've just kind of gotten through the door and you're getting started with mm. all these contests and gigs and things and then kind of is a big obstacle in the way of it. But I suppose there's things to be learned from it as well and positives that can be taken out of it as well. Like what though? Like what are the positives that you would be kind of trying to take out of it in lockdown? What has it been like as essentially a freelance violinist in lockdown with yeah. no access to orchestral work? I know it, it, it's been, of course, disappointing to not have the concerts and gigs going on at the moment, but I suppose the positive is it's given me time to improve other aspects of my profession that I mightn't necessarily have had time to do. I spent a good bit of time actually developing a new website of mine, which it was nice to do that because I hadn't had a website off and running, so it was good to get the chance to do that and adapting to teaching online, which I mightn't necessarily have looked into had it not been for the current circumstance. So it's it's been good in the sense that I've had time to focus on the other aspects and it's opened up some other possibilities as well. Yeah. I mean, searching for the positivities and the possibilities is something that's so important. I am always fascinated by musicians who are teaching online at the moment. And I know so many people have done that migration and moving online and teaching violin online when you're not able to reach out to your student. And, and like, how young do you teach? What's your youngest student? Our youngest, I think, is about 10 Oh. A different mix of ages, but you're right, especially with something like violin. Yeah, trying to direct their arms into the right shape and correct exactly, hold yeah. and position and all that sort of stuff, because those are the kind of critical technical things. It's not just playing all them notes, as they say. So let's get back to the notes that you are playing, though, for this particular concert, because you said you're revisiting some of the pieces you would have played at your final master's recital, and that is the, the Brahms and the Mozart sonatas. And I love the Mozart is just all the emotions in there. 
But, oh my God, I'm in love with this Brahms Sonata. I know, it's, it's one of my personal favourites. They both have actually quite a lot. It's, the Mozart is actually quite a... He wrote it quite late in his life, I believe, so it's quite... It shows off a mature Mozart, you know, so it's got lots of emotional depth and intensity and the two instruments, the violin and piano, are portrayed as, like, equal partners from the outset. So it's very interesting in that sense to work with Gary. Gary Beecher, we should be saying his name properly there, yes. That's it. To Gary give Beecher, him credit. Yes, Sorry, it. Gary, yes. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, the brand is one of my all-time favourites as well. I've loved that piece for, I don't know how long now, probably nearly 10 years, but one of our better known, he has three sonatas, and this is the first of the three in G major, but it's the very, kind of opens up very gently and then developed into more kind of intense and it has it has it shows a lot of different sides of emotion throughout but it's really nice it was adapted from his two of his songs i believe which are called regan lead and knocked long so he he had written those songs and he'd used ideas from those songs for this sonata so you can kind of hear the similarities between those it's interesting mm. actually i'd encourage people to look up those songs before listening even, and it's nice to notice those similarities. Ah, that makes sense now when you say it. And tell us about the Chopin as well that you're including in the programme. Yeah, so this was a piece originally composed for a solo piano, and this arrangement was created by a Ukrainian violinist, Nathan Milstein. It's a slow, melodic, lyrical, passionate piece. It's quite short. But it's really nice. It works very well on the violin. But uh, it's nice to get the, the different types of sounds that you can get from the violin in these kind of lyrical passages. So I came across it about three or four years ago on YouTube, and I've enjoyed listening to it ever since. And it's a nice one to include. I'm including it in between the two sonatas, so it kind of breaks up the the two larger works with this smaller work in between. What I love about this series with the Cork Orchestral Society is, of course, that the concert isn't just a once-off affair. People can log on and view the concert for free at any stage over the course of this coming month. So it's one concert every month. So this is your concert for the, the end of February, we'll say, right the way through into the end of March. And what a great way for people to just take an hour or so for themselves and sit back and give themselves this present. I mean, like, I think it's fantastic that Cork Orchestral Society have decided to make this free at the point of entry for everybody. So, Brendan, it's been so lovely talking to you. We actually have a small clip from the concert taken from the Mozart Sonata, just so people can have a little flavour of it now. But I would urge people to go online and enjoy themselves. And I'll give all the details again then after this. Thanks so much, Brendan. Excellent. Thanks so much, Elmarie. Cheers for having me on.